Happy Memorial Day weekend. Yo, just real quick, as you saw that video, in a couple of weeks, we are going to start a brand new series called Flip Your Feelings. And we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to study through the Beatitudes. Jesus, when he got ready to preach his first sermon in Matthew chapter 5, uh, he went through some different emotions, some different feelings, blessed, 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 and he gave the reason that you're blessed to feel these ways. And some of these feelings are actually, in our culture today, uh, communicated to us negative. And so I think it's going to be an important time for us to not only dig into that a little bit, learn how to flip those feelings, uh, but also to just be able to study the Beatitudes together. So I'm excited about that. Make plans to be here for that during the summer. That'll lead us right into August. And in August, we're coming out with At the Movies. Y'all ready for that? It's going to be a good time together. All right, y'all slowly trying to wake up from this Memorial Day weekend. Some of y'all trying to decide why you even got up to begin with this morning. Uh, you, you got up because you got a reason to praise God. Am I right? Yeah, you do. Uh, my name is Troy. Welcome to Victory Church. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. If you are visiting with us, we'd love to connect with you. You can do that ways. Uh, one, there's a connection card in the seat in front of you, just a paper connection card. You can grab that, fill it out for us, or you can do a text to connect. All that information will be on the screen. Uh, if you do that for us, do me a favor. After service, you can take it to our welcome center right when you walk out, and you can either hand them that paper card or you can show them on your phone that you did text to connect. They got a gift for you, uh, just a really nice Victory Church coffee mug that we want to just say thank you so much for spending your Sunday, especially your Memorial Day weekend with us. And that gives us the opportunity to just reach out to you during the week. Uh, we're not going to hassle you, but I'd love to just contact you and say, hey, thanks for coming. Uh, learn a little bit more about you. Answer any questions we can answer for you about Victory Church. So do me a favor, do that for us. Uh, connect and reach out to us. Second, if you're looking for a way to give, we have so many people that give every week to Victory Church, and because of that, we get to do so many great things, not only in the four walls of our church, but in our community. And so if you're looking to do that, you can do that three ways as well. You can do it through our online portal, which is our website, our app. You can do it as a text to give, just like text to connect. Or as you're leaving out today, there'll be an auditorium host with a bucket. You can drop check or cash in that way. And I'm going to share a little bit throughout the message of how the people who support Victory, the, what, how, the impact that Victory continues to make. But if you walk through the hallways, you'll see kind of the different partners that we get to minister with and partner with throughout the community. And we've asked one of them to come today and just share for a few moments about what God's doing through his ministry. We showed a testimony video last week about it. He'll be out in the lobby after service just to shake hands. But because of your faithfulness, we get to support him every month to do what he does. And I just want him to come share a little bit, educate us on what God's doing. So do me a favor. Would you welcome Scott Horde? Come on. Put your hands together. He's going he's gonna to take a minute and share a little bit about who he is and what he's doing in case you don't know. But also just share testimonies about what God's doing, man. Welcome. Tell us a little bit. Man, that's... I was wanting a hug when oh, I came out there. Good morning. I'm Scott Hoard. I'm a local guy. Who remembers Bell Forge back here growing up? Anybody? Come on. I used to walk from the mall over here and watch movies at Bell Forge. Now it's an Islamic center. We need to redeem that for Jesus. Amen? Come on. You're in the perfect place to do it. That wall is not just a wall of pictures. And uh, I'm a living testimony of that. I love reading all the stories that are out there. You're touching the world. You are. God's doing something beautiful in here. I know he's bringing healing here, hope here. He's making disciples in here. And then y'all are blessed to what? To be a blessing, right? And 
And because you guys are a blessing, I get my picture out there with my family and a little bio of who we are, but it's really a lot bigger than that. It was seven years ago that the Lord spoke to me and called me to engage abortion. And, um, and I stepped out on faith not knowing what I was doing or how to do it, found two locations in Nashville, and I went. I went just to pray. Uh, really not even to engage in any other way. To be honest with you, I was scared. And I went down here to Harding Place and at, at an abortion facility there. It was called Hell's Hill, actually, and began to love people. The Lord told me three things. Go in love, go in humility, and go in truth, and don't compromise any of them. I didn't know what was going to happen, but all of a sudden I got a rescue one day. And then I talked to another lady out of an abortion, then another lady and another lady, and all of a sudden I'm looking at 10 rescues. Well, today I stand here seven years later, and we had our 395th rescue this past week. Isn't that awesome? And so on the sign out there, I think it says 275. And so, but we're up to 395. I have a picture I want to show you. You have that picture? That's Austin J. This is one of my first rescues. His mom is Tina, was going into the facility. She came over to talk to me, going in love, humility, and truth. Uh, we loved her in humility, shared truth with her, and we left, and we went and got an ultrasound, and she came out and showed me a picture of Austin J. when he was eight weeks old in the womb and said, this is my boy. I said, he's beautiful. What are you going to do? She said, I'm going to keep him. Here he is, six years old, and he lives in my community, that picture was taken less than a mile from my house. Isn't that crazy? But here's the beautiful thing of that picture. Our 395th rescue happened last week, and it happened because the mom of Austin J. talked another young mom who's 17 years old who was going to abort her child out of aborting her child. Isn't that, so that's the fruit that's the fruit, and so I just want to encourage you guys. I mean, isn't he beautiful? And he lives, you know why? Because the church goes. The church goes. And so we're in strange times. You know, Roe is getting ready to fall. And what does that mean? Does that mean abortion ends? It, it, it doesn't mean that. All it means is it goes back to the states. So every state is now going to legislate and vote on what they want to do. There's somewhere between 13 to 26 trigger states. We are a trigger state. And what that means is if Roe falls, it's going to come back to our state, and then they're going to uh, enact laws that they already have in place. But that doesn't abolish abortion in Tennessee. They're going to have to go back and actually get rid of laws and then reinstate laws to, to uh, fully abolish it in the state. And it'll probably take about five years. I tell you that because there's 26 other states that will probably do that as well, but there's a whole host of others that won't. And so the fight really is just beginning because once it's abolished in Tennessee, then we have to protect those laws, and we're going to have to protect them from here on out because it can change and go back the other way. And so what do we know about the child in the womb? We know that Scripture says, Psalm 139, that God forms that child. He intricately weaves that child together. He says that child is fearfully and wonderfully made. 
fearfully and wonderfully made. We see in Luke 1 where um, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist and, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. And he had this encounter where John the Baptist in the womb encounters Jesus physically and he responds. It says he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he leaps in the womb. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not just a clump of cells, folks. That's a, that's a human being. And so not only does the Scriptures tell us it's a human being, science tells us it's a human being. And we as the church, it's our obligation to protect the, those children. And I'm thankful that I can go because the last two years I've been doing this full time. Two years ago, the Lord said, resign as senior pastor of a church in Smyrna. Go do this full time. So Monday through Friday, I go to the streets. I go to Planned Parenthood. And I lovingly, truthfully, in humility, talk to these women and men and get them to change their mind. And then we go the distance with them. One of our last rescues last week had nine children. She was pregnant with her 10th child. Uh, we got them to choose life. She's going to let her 10th baby live. They were so thankful. We got them in a hotel right now because they got put on the street that day because they decided to keep the child. Her mom put her out on the street. There, we've got three hotel rooms for them, for all those kids, and we're keeping them in those rooms till the end of the month till we get them housing. That's what we do. That's what we do. I had a Muslim man uh, last week. He came in on a Monday. I gave him my card. He went into the parking lot. He came back out, came back on a Thursday to set the date to abort his sixth child. As he was leaving, I pointed at him. I said, I remember you. And he looked at me and had this strange look on his face. But he had my card in his, on his dashboard, and he called me and said, Scott, I've got to kill my child. I said, why? He says, I can't afford him. And I said, I got you. He goes, what? I said, I got you. He goes, Scott, I have no family. I have no support. I said, I'll be your family. He says, what does that mean? And I told him, he said, you'd do that for me. And I said, yeah, that's what we do. We're Christians. Called his wife and he said, hey, I met somebody. This is what he's willing to do for us. He's willing to be family. And the wife said, if he's willing to do that, then we'll keep this sixth child. We'll keep this sixth child. And this week I'm going to meet him. Guess what? He needs brakes. He needs rotors. We're going to put that on his truck. Whatever it, it takes to get that out of the way for him to be the father that God has called him to be, that's who we're going to be. That's who we're going to be. And so I want to just close with this. Think about this story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan story, a man comes up to Jesus and challenges him and, uh, and asks him about, hey, what does it take to get into eternity? And Jesus says, well, what does the Scripture say? And the man says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's it. Go do it. And the man tries to justify himself, and he says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a story, and he says, there's a man going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he's robbed, and he's beaten, and left half dead on the ground. It says a priest goes by and sees him, but then goes to the other side of the street and goes about his religious duty. Then it says a Levite goes by and he sees the same man. He goes to the other side of the street and goes about his religious duty. But it was the Samaritan that was filled with compassion that actually sees the man, gets down, and he gets dirty. He gets bloody, but he helps the man. 
But he doesn't just stop there. He goes the distance. He puts him in an end, and he sees him through all the way to the end. And my question to you is, which one of those are you? Are you the priest just going about your religious duty? Are you the Levite going about your religious duty? Or are you the Samaritan? Are you the Christian that's called to be filled with compassion that not only enters into the mess of what happens in here and out there, but goes the distance? That's what I'm called to do. It's what you're called to do. And because you do that, I'll go, and I'll go this week. Thank you for what you do. I'm traveling the nation now, and I'm training people all across the country. I just got back from Southern California, Northern California. I'm getting ready to go to Seattle and Boston. People are watching and seeing what we're doing here locally, and they're saying, please come train us. And the only way I can do that is because of your faithfulness and your faithful giving. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Pastor Troy. Love you, brother. Hey, hold on one second before you walk away. Again, I just want to be able to say one of the reasons why I love the ministry and we support it is because of the fact that he doesn't just stand out and say, you need to have this baby. He says, if you have the baby, we're going to walk with you. And I think that's the important part. It's one thing to tell somebody you need to have a baby and then go, all right, now figure out how to raise it, right? Figure out how to provide for it. It's another thing to come alongside them and say, what do you need? I'll put brakes on your car. I'll put you in a hotel. That's different kind of ministry, church. And that's the reason every month we support them. And so because of your faithfulness, we get to do that every month. Scott's going to be out in the lobby after service. If, if this kind of ministry really tugs at your heart, I encourage you to go over there, talk to him. Uh, every, like you said, five days a week, you know, when he's in town not training, he's at Planned Parenthood. He has men and women that come and stand with him and help share the gospel. Because the other thing, it's not just you know, trying to stop someone from aborting the baby. It's sharing the gospel with them. And so it's some powerful powerful moments. Can we pray real quick for him? Father, we thank you right now for Scott. And Lord, I I almost feel humbled to even be able to pray for him because I've seen such favor on his life, especially since the day we sat down together at Burger King and he told me he was going to full-time pursue this calling on his life. And God, you've swung doors wide open. You've brought in resource. Thank you for this church that faithfully gives so that we can support. I pray you'd continue to push that vision into the hearts of this church and churches all over America that would continue to support, get behind. Pray that those would be raised up to serve alongside of him, that you'd continue to bring people to him to train because across the world, this is an area that needs to be ministered to in the three areas that he said, love and truth and care and those things. So Father, thank you for his ministry. We pray you continue to bless it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Love you, man. Thank you. Come on, give it up one more time. Man, uh, very first time I ever met Scott, he was pastoring in Smyrna, just, and I just loved him, loved his attitude, loved his spirit, and we just became friends, and then to be able to watch what God's done to this ministry has been insane. And so, again, I encourage you, uh, you're giving faithfully every month. Uh, continue to give so that we can do that, but if you've got, if you just listen to that, and you say, I want to know more, I want to get involved more, do yourself a favor and connect with him for a moment after service. All right, you ready for the word? If you got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 45. Uh, Genesis, the first book in the Bible. You can do that on a paper Bible, on your phone. It'll be on the screen above me. We have been in a series called Live the Dream, where we have been studying through the life of Joseph, and we're going to bring it to a close today, and then in a couple weeks start our new series on the Beatitudes. But 
this whole concept that we've been preaching through. The first week we talked about the danger of a dream and how we have to be careful it's not our dream instead of God's dream. And we talked about dream killers and how the, the worst dream killer is ourselves and our mind. And then last week we talked about how the dream itself will always demand a need. And so here we are in our life trying to arrive at a place where we won't need anymore, where we'll be at self-efficiency, but it's the dream, or self-sufficiency, but it's the dream that actually moves us into a place to have need because that need is what makes us rely on God. And so I want to show you a couple of different things uh, from Genesis 45 today, and then we'll get into the Word. So here we go. Genesis 45, starting at verse 1. We'll read to verse 8. I think it's actually verse 2, but somewhere in that area. It says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants. So we fast forward. If you've been with us, Joseph has gone through prison, gone through the pit, gone through working for Potiphar. Now he is the prime minister of Egypt, and God is using him to provide food during a famine. And his brothers are, have come to him to ask for food, and he's had to deal with that unforgiveness and that bitterness that his brothers tried to kill him. And it says, he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So Joseph says, get everybody out of this way because I'm emotional. I'm going to react. So get everybody out of here. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. So this is the moment where he tells his brothers, this is who I am. It's Joseph, the brother you thought you killed. It's me. Um, and then he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. So he's so emotional that even the Egyptians in the other room can hear him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. They're terrified because they think that Joseph might react and uh, take out revenge on them. So then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Watch this. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Now it's not so much that you brought me here, but that God sent me ahead of you to save lives. And for two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there'll be no plowing, no reaping, no food. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. I want to talk to you for just a few moments this morning from the idea, this is the dream. This is the dream. When I was growing up, I don't know if you heard this a lot, but when I was growing up, people would use the term, the American dream. Do y'all remember this? That people wanted to, at some point in their life, reach the American dream. I just, I just want to get the American dream. And again, I'm sure that was different for different generations, but for my generation, this is what the American dream looked like. It normally consists of a good job, good money, uh, a two-story house, three bedrooms, two baths, normally a puppy, right? And they always ended it with this, a white what? Picket fence. I always thought that was so stupid. You know, like, when have you ever wanted a white picket fence? And so I just thought that was interesting that we've got bedrooms and baths and puppies and money, but it was always the white picket fence. So I got really interested, and I said, I'm going to look up to why that even started. And the, the particular article that I was reading said that what it symbolized was the, 
the segregation or the division or the dividing of our, spot, our space. It, it, was, it was separating us from other people. It was like, this is my dream. Not, not your dream, this is my dream. The white picket fence was kind of this symbolization of, of cutting us off from everybody else and really separating what was ours. It, it was a real, it's all about me kind of mindset. It was this concept that whatever the dream is that I'm chasing isn't really going to impact you, but the dream that I'm chasing is all about me. I want this, me, me, my space. And in this, it's all about me world that we live in today. If we're not careful, we will mistakenly assume that our dream is for us only and about us only. We have to be very careful of that. That there's not a place where we think that our dream is for us only and it's about us only. And if the goal of the dream is to arrive, if the goal of the dream is to have self-elevation uh, or, or self-gratification or, or, or self-worship, if that's the goal of the dream, then listen to me. The last thing we want to do is ask God what his dream is. Because God's dream will always challenge the American dream. This concept of let me just get my space and leave me alone. This concept of let me get mine and you worry about yours. That may be the American dream, but God's dream for your life will always challenge the mindset of I need a white picket fence. It's less about you building a fence and more about you letting the guard down so that you can impact other people. When Joseph started following his dream, you find out that it was all about serving other people. From the very beginning, he was serving his brothers. And then that got him put in a pit. And the pit got him put working for Potiphar. And now he's serving Potiphar. Then serving Potiphar got him falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And now he's in prison. Now he's serving the prison guards. Then Pharaoh's two men get put into the prison and they have dreams. And now Joseph is called to interpret those dreams. And now he's serving Pharaoh's men. And because he interpreted that dream, that got him elevated to go meet with Pharaoh because Pharaoh had a dream. Now he's interpreting Pharaoh's dream and he's serving Pharaoh. Now, because he could interpret that dream so well and he had such a good plan, Pharaoh puts him as the prime minister of Egypt. Now he's serving the nation. And then by the time that dream comes to an end, we see him serving his brothers and his fathers again. So it was a dream from the very beginning all the way to the end was about serving other people. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Joseph's dream was not about success. It was about service. The dream that God put in his heart was not about him being a big deal. It wasn't about him arriving at some place and having something. It was all about serving other people. Maybe his dream was to him only, but his dream was not for him only. Maybe he was the only one to see the dream, but he wasn't the only one that the dream was for. Our dreams are not just about us. If you have a God dream in your heart, we've been talking about this for weeks, the difference between our dreams and God's dream, and if you have a God dream in your heart, it's not just about us. That dream is about who God wants to bless through us. 
So I want to give you a question, a question I've been processing and a question I want you to process as we move forward thinking about our dreams. Here's the question. Who is counting on your dream? Who in your life is counting on you pursuing your dream? Who are you going to come, uh, who are you going to cross paths with? I think about the little boy that Scott put up on the picture, right? His dream, Scott's dream, the dream that God put in his heart was impacting that. That kid was counting on that dream. And the question that we have to revisit every once in a while is, who is counting on my dream? It's not just about me solidifying myself and success and putting up this fence and separating. Who is God wanting to impact? Who is God wanting to change? Who is God wanting to save? Who is God wanting to speak to through the dream that God has given me? Let's go back to Genesis 45 for a second. Let me just show you it in Scripture because this is what we're building on. Verses 5 to 7 says, And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to what? Save lives. This whole thing was a purpose to save lives. That God sent me ahead of you. That God gave me this dream so that lives could be saved. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives. Here's what Joseph's saying. Joseph's saying, my dream is not just about me. My dream is about saving the lives of other people. A God-inspired dream promotes life in others. If you ever want to know if it's a God-given dream, does it promote life to other people? Listen, if it's a dream that's going to put other people down, it's not a God-given dream. But if it's a dream that's going to bring life to other people, the people that are around you, then it's a God-inspired dream. In fact, there's a good chance that if my dream blesses me and only me, then God isn't the source of my dream. If my dream blesses, look, your dream will bless you because that's how God operates. But if your dream is blessing you and only you, then God's probably not the source of that dream. When all of this came to an end with Joseph and the famine and his family and the people of Egypt, they got to this point where they gave him kind of a nickname. Now, I'm not going to be great at, at pronouncing this nickname, so bear with me, but it looks like this. It's like Zaphonath Pioneer, all right? And I did a good job. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's how I roll, okay? A little bit of Memphis twang on it. Zaphonath Pioneer. Did it twice. How do you like that? Um, and this is what the Egyptian people called him. And in their, in their culture, what that meant was savior of the age. So that was the nickname that Joseph gets after his dream comes true. And here's why. Because the people of Egypt realized that without Joseph and without his dream, they probably would have perished. They probably would have been dead. It was Joseph and his dream that was able to lead, him to, lead them to a place of saving. And when I read that, here's what I start to see. It was never Joseph's dream to begin with. It was the nation's dream. I've been in ministry for 15 plus years, and anytime people refer to Joseph, they talk about Joseph's dream. It was Joseph's dream. It might have been Joseph's dream in the aspect that he was the one who physically saw it. But when you look at 37 to 50, when you look even into Exodus 1, as I'm going to show you, when you look at the whole story, it wasn't Joseph's dream. It was the nation's dream. 
It was everybody's dream. Joseph just played a part of it. He was just a little, little bitty part of it. And as a dreamer, you are God's gift to someone in your life. That's what I want you to understand, is that it's, the dream is not just about you. Listen, for some of you, the dream God's got you chasing, there's moments where you want to abandon it altogether because it's not fun for you. There's seasons and moments where it's difficult. But that's the point, that as a dreamer, you are God's gift to someone in your life. Someone is counting on your dream. Someone needs your dream. There's a moment where someone's willing to just be completely done, but because of your pursuit of the dream God put in your heart, it reinstates them and it restores them. I started thinking about, uh, you know, what dreams out there people had that impacted my life. And I wanted to get like really spiritual for a second and start talking through like all the, you know, the mentors in my life and how, you know, there was a guy that dreamed about a church in Memphis, Tennessee. And if he wouldn't have planted that church, I would have never been able to go to that church and get saved. I would have never met my wife. Like all these, you know, really awesome, you know, spiritual type moments. But I, I kept going back to other things. Like I started going like, you know what? Thank God for the guy who dreamed up Chick-fil-A. You know what I mean? That's right. Give God praise. Like, thank goodness for that guy. I think it's Truett Cathy, and that his name? Like, I know him, and I don't even know some of our presidents, y'all. That's, that's, that's how worried you should be for me. Like, I'm just thankful. I'm so thankful that at some point he said to himself, forget about cheeseburgers. We need buns, fried chicken, and a pickle. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's just like, thank you for his dream. I was thankful for that. I'm thankful for whoever dreamed up bread all together. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what form you put it in. Put it in a roll, a biscuit, a scone. I don't care. It can be a bun. Put butter on it, jelly on it. Like, thank God for them. You know what I mean? Like, thank God for that dream. I started thinking about those of you that have small children, you appreciate this dream. It's whoever dreamed up this whole electronic concept. You know what I mean? Like, I was going to give Steve Jobs all the credit, but people did it before him. But there's nothing like being, if, if you don't understand this shit, go anywhere with your children. Go on a vacation or a trip and know what it's like to be able to go, here, be quiet. You know what I mean? Right? There you go. Yeah, okay. Y'all starting to be real. We're going to have a testimony time in a minute. <laughs> go to a restaurant. You ever been to a restaurant and try to actually talk to a human being while you have your children? You know what I'm talking about? It's nothing like going, here, be quiet. There's these things at Cheddar's. They're like little games, little electronic games. Whoever made those, thank God for him. Like, there's so many things throughout this world that I'm thankful for that somebody dreamed up. And I get it. It's not necessarily leading anybody to Jesus, but, but what if it is? What if it is? There's probably a lot of people that have come to know Christ at a Chick-fil-A. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people that have come to know Christ through digital sermons and messages. So I thank God for people who have dreams. Because a lot of times it's somebody's dream that's impacting me. It's not just them. It's impacting other people. When our dream is only for ourselves, then we are not dreaming big. In fact, dreams that are self-serving, dreams that are focused on only us, 
I think, are the smallest kinds of dreams of all. The biggest dream, the best dream, the ones that include other people, the dreams that influence other people, and the dreams that bless other people. I'm an acronym guy, so I'll give you one that maybe you'll remember. A big dream goes beyond individual gain. That's a big dream. A dream that's just about me, how do I get mine? How can I just get my white picket fence? and just like, That's a small dream. A dream where you sacrifice what you have so that it can impact other people, that's a big dream. That's a dream that goes beyond individual gain. And I can say this, and it might sound a little weird because it's me, but I'll explain it. I think Victory Church is a big dream. I think it's a big dream. I think it goes beyond individual gain. I could tell you that with honesty because I get to have meetings with people that maybe you may never even know about, and I get to hear stories of how the church has impacted their life. I get to talk to people about their marriages and how coming to Victory Church restored their marriages. And I need to talk about people who have gone through physical issues and, you know, again, emotional issues and how they were able to find friends and family. I can't tell you how many stories I hear from people who couldn't find fellowship and connection, and they were able to come to Victory Church and find that. Like, I hear these kinds of stories that help me know that this is a big dream. I walk out of this door and I go right where Scott's talking about where these pictures are of all of the individuals that because of your faithfulness in finances, we get to support. We don't even blink an eye. Whether it's Katie Carter in Costa Rica, there are kids right now in Costa Rica as we speak learning about Jesus. And it's happening because of you. Because of Victor. That's a big dream. Scott's out in front of Planned Parenthood every day of the week. And one of the reasons he gets to be there is because of you, because of victory. That's a big dream to be able to support Isaiah 117 and Empowerment Incorporated, to be able to be in schools in Antioch and to help kids that have been displaced. I could go on and on and on. The YMCA and all of the ministry we're doing there with domestic violence and and after breast cancer and youth development, all these things are happening. And listen, it's happening because of your faithfulness. It's happening because you believe in it and you may not even know. Your dream is going way beyond you and me. I was thinking about a couple weeks ago when we had people serving in one weekend at Youth for Christ and at the food bank and at the YMCA. There's three different things happening in one or it's about one and a half days and people from our church are all over serving. Again, not so that we could have a white picket fence, but so that we could help other people. Understanding that's a big dream. The things we've been able to be a part of, whether it's providing lunch for teachers at Rock Springs Middle School or we're getting ready to be able to provide food that will go out to this area here in a couple of weeks. I'll tell you more about that coming up. But we're just involved in all kinds of different ways to be able to help other people. And then I had this moment happen last week. Our kids got out of school and uh, Darla and I are getting ready to go on a little short vacation together. And so we took our kids to Memphis uh, to leave them with the grandparents, you know, forever, uh, if that's our goal. And just kidding, leave them for a couple weeks. And I'm in Memphis. You know, it's where I was born and raised. I was there for 32 years of my life. And so 
there's a particular gym that I like to go to when I'm in town. I'm in that gym and working out. And just to be completely honest with you, I'm not in any way looking for evidence of God (laughs) in that moment. I'm I'm just kind of there to get a workout. I'm on a little bit of a break. I'm trying to deal with my kids and figure out scheduling and all that because now they're out of school. And we all know that life changes when the kids get out of school, right? It's a totally different ballgame. And so I'm just kind of doing my thing. And I come walking out of the gym and I see a young lady that's a friend of mine that I knew in Memphis. And we just stop and talk. And she's had some tough seasons in her life recently. And we're just sitting there and we're just talking about God and we're talking about different things and how she's wanting to pursue after him again and starting that pursuit. And at one point she says this to me. She says uh, she's engaged to be married. And she says, yeah, me and my fiance, we watch Victory online. And I didn't say this to her, but I just started thinking, imagine the people that serve every Sunday and have no idea the impact that's making and someone who doesn't even live here. She's been through a lot, y'all. And her heart is yearning for God. And at some point, her and her fiance turn on the TV and they get to hear the gospel. They get to hear grace, that Jesus loves her that Jesus is for her, that Jesus never left her. That's the gospel. That's the message she hears. But can I tell you something? It never happens without this worship team. If the worship team doesn't get up and prepare this place for the message, it doesn't happen. If we don't have people serving on production that put on this entire show, who are running around doing, making sure this works and that works, guess what? Without them, This doesn't work. But on TV if they don't serve. And you know what else doesn't happen? If we don't have somewhere to put your kids. We thought about, we knew Memorial Day weekend would be a crazy weekend. We thought about just not even having kids church and having kids. And I told Darla, I said, why would someone even come to church if they got to hold their kids? You know what I mean? Like, without them, it doesn't happen. Without the first impressions team that meets people at the door that provides coffee, because guess what? You ain't coming. It's 2022. You can be in your bathrobe and watch the gospel. But because people believe in something, because they are a part of a big dream that goes beyond individual gain. There are lives, and that's just one story of a young lady who's three and a half hours away hearing the gospel, but she never hears it, church. Forget me. I could care. Look, there's always someone that can preach the gospel. The Bible says the rocks will cry out, which means we could pile up a couple of rocks right here, and it look like a rock snowman, and he'll preach. This is the least important part of victory. It never happens. If people don't get a part of a dream that goes beyond them, where they see something beyond who they are, and understanding that that dream has the ability to change lives. A true dream from the heart of God. It's a whole lot more about uplifting and blessing and helping other people. I don't want a white picket fence. Dana, make me one of those tables where we can eat at it and we can play pool on it and flip it over and baptize you in it. You know what I mean? 
I want to be a part of something that goes beyond me. Because if it ends right here, it's a small dream with small rewards. But if it's a big dream that's reaching out and impacting people, sometimes people you never even know, it's a big dream. And then I got me thinking, this is why we can't allow temporary disappointments and temporary discomfort to detour our dream. When the devil knows you have a big dream, he'll do anything he can to get you to abandon it. You have a small dream, he won't care. Have your white picket fence. Have your two bedrooms. Have your puppy. It doesn't impact anything. But when you start dreaming beyond yourself, the devil says, oh, I got to do something. Because if they get out there and start dreaming that way and let God move, guess what? A nation will be saved. At any point, Joseph could have said, I'm not doing it. But because he stuck with it, we fast forward and a nation is saved because of his dream. There's a dream in your heart right now. Listen to me. You may never see it. You may never be interviewed like Scott. You may never be in front of a stage of hundreds of thousands of millions of people or whatever the scenario is. That may not be your dream. But the dream that God put in your heart has the seed and the root of something that if it could just change one life to God, it's the same. Listen, your dream may never have you stand in front of Planned Parenthood. Your dream will, maybe will never be about trying to end racism. Your dream may never be to move and plant a church. The goal is not to have those same kinds of dreams. The goal is to be completely confident in what God's called you to do and to move in it knowing that even if it changes one life, even if one person is saved, talking to a friend of mine and he asked me, we got in conversation and he said do you ever regret the dream? <laughs> and for me that means do you ever regret moving your family and da 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 I don't remember if I told him this but I've since thought about it if I thought the dream was just about me, I would the second you think the dream is just about you and not everybody else Instead of rejoicing about it, you'll start regretting it. Because at some point you'll go, you know what, this white picket fence ain't quite what I thought it was going to be. I got these two bedrooms, but you know, they're not big enough. <laughs> but when you understand the dream is about other people and other individuals, then you rejoice in it. If you can just see one life changed. This is why the enemy wants you to be offended to hold on to unforgiveness. Because if Joseph hangs on to unforgiveness, he doesn't feed his brothers. He gets his under the leadership of Pharaoh and he watches a nation fall apart. So you gotta fight. You gotta keep going. What if the greatest thing God does in your life is how he uses you to contribute to someone else's? You ever thought about that? What if the greatest thing that God ever does in your life is how he uses you to contribute to someone else's? Is that enough?
Is that good enough for you to look at and go, God, my life was worth it? Because one person was saved. One child was saved. One family was impacted. One person heard about the gospel. So I'm writing this message, bringing it to a close, and I felt, I don't know how to really explain it to you, I just kind of felt the Holy Spirit say to me, why do you keep ending your reading with Genesis 50? Because I would read 37 through 50 and, you know, just read it over and over and over. And he said, why do you keep ending your reading at 50? And I was like, well, God, that's when Joseph died. Like, the story's over. The dream's over. You know, he's dead. And something in me just said, no, no, read Exodus chapter 1. Now, I've read it before, and so I understood what was happening. So I knew where to go. And I want to read this to you. Watch this. Exodus chapter 1, verses 67. Now, Joseph and all of his brothers and all of that generation, what'd they do? They died. They're gone. The dream's over. He's dead. Because if the dream is small and about him, it is over. But watch this. But, do you love buts in the Bible? But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. The favor of God is still there. The seed in which he brought the dream through is gone, but the favor of God is still there. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Two thoughts come to my mind when I read that. First, many of you know my friend Hodge, he's executive director at the Y. We're talking one day, they do a, um, a golf tournament. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, a golf tournament. And it's, it's in memorial of a young man named Ashton. And Ashton used to work at the Y and he passed away and he's very passionate about youth development. And so the, the golf tournament, all of the proceeds go to help with youth development. And I was out of town, I wasn't able to be there this year, but he was giving me kind of the update on it. And he was talking to Ashton's parents. He was just spending some time with them because Hodge is new to the area, kind of learning that story, and just had a great time with them. And at one point, the mother said to Hodge, um, I'm running out of stories to tell. She's like, I feel like I'm just telling the same stories. And I'm going to probably misquote him. So one day I'm going to have to make him get up here and tell it correctly. But he said something back to her like this. But we're telling new stories through the Y. All that Ashton's memorial is doing through the Y is telling new stories. And then that made me think about Joseph. And how I would be careful, if we're not careful, Joseph would have got up there and said, it's just the same story. I went through the pit. I went through prison. I became the, the prime minister of Egypt. I provided for the family. It's the same story. And God says, not if you read in through Exodus. I'm creating new stories in new lives from the same dream. And if we're not careful, we just watch this and go, you know what, God, is? I had this dream. But, but I don't see new stories. And the Spirit of God says, because at some point, the dream has to go past you. And the stories continue. The stories are endless. But you may not be directly involved with the story. Because even though the dream came to you only, it's not for you only. I started thinking in a few minutes we're going to baptize a couple of people in here as we close out. 
started thinking about the two individuals that are getting baptized. I didn't even know who they were when we moved here. When I asked Andrew and Amber and Tim and Jenny and Brian and Erica and Scout and all my friends to move here and help us plant this church, we didn't know them. Didn't know who they were. And then we met our launch team. I'm thinking about you and Mel, Jeff, and there was another layer, right? But like, <laughs> I didn't even meet you. The young lady that met you and told you about victory doesn't even live here anymore. You know what I mean? So, so God gave us the dream in Memphis. That was where the dream went to. But that wasn't the end of the dream. And so God brings couples that I, I didn't even actually communicate with. I started thinking about the people getting baptized, and, and it's, it's layers of people before they even get to me. Before they even get to you, Andrew. So as you're up here on a video last week saying we sold our house and we did all this for a dream, God gave you a dream. But it didn't stop with you, and it didn't stop with us, and it continues to go layer after layer after layer, and this is what a God dream is. It's layer after layer after layer. And if it's, if it's really a God dream and you understand it, you don't care if you're in this layer or not. All you care about is the life change. The multiplication. The favor of God. So I say all that to say this. God has put a dream in your heart. Chase it. But let it be God's dream and not yours. Let it be for other people and not for you. Understand that you will be disappointed and you will be discouraged, but don't let it get you down. Stay with it. Because God is changing lives through you. And there is someone out there who is counting on your dream. It may be a million people. It may not. It may just be one. But if I get to heaven... And God says to me, what did you do with your life? And I say, I gave it to you. And he goes, well, one person came to know me because of it. I got a feeling we're going to throw a party. I can't imagine Jesus going, well, you only had 10 and old boy over here had 20. So you go to the bottom level. We're going to celebrate because somebody's life was changed. And for those of you that call victory home, God's given you a vehicle to do that. To be able to change the lives of people right here. You just got to give it to God. So I want to pray. I'm going to start first by just inviting those that are getting baptized to go ahead and go get ready. We are going to do it with you still in the room because I got some testimonies I'm going to read with. It's going to be very powerful. Just a great moment to celebrate, but I'd like to pray over you while they're getting ready. And again, just 
I think it's so interesting that, Scott, you'd be here today. You know, the way your schedule worked out to be here on a day, I didn't know I'd be preaching this then. I'm looking at other people who I know their dream, and I know how God's using them in their dream, and I know the impact it's making on other people's lives. And I think I'm talking to two different people. One is the person that I'm saying, keep going, keep doing it. I know it's hard. I know you're tired. Keep doing it. I know it doesn't always make sense. <laughs> I know you think you might have had a better way. Keep doing it. And then to the other group of people, come on and get on board. God has put something in you that's going to change someone. I think there are people in this room right now that God has put something so unique in you that's going to change lives, and you just won't let it come out. You got to let it be used. You got to get it out. Well, if I do that, you know, what is that going to mean for my schedule and inconvenience? And, I don't, you know, I don't know what God's going to ask me to do. Who cares? It's to change someone's life. What, you know what I think the American dream should be? Someone's life being saved because of what God does in my life. That's the American dream. Because if we were going to spend eternity here, I'd want a white picket fence. But since we're spending eternity in heaven, I'd like to see how many souls we can take with us. Amen? Normally I would have you stand, but I'm not going to have you stand yet because of the baptisms. But I would like to pray for you. Before I do that, if you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, listen to me. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you can be saved. You will be saved. No matter what you've ever done, no matter how many sins you've ever committed, no matter how bad you think you are, it's not about you, it's about the grace of God. It's not about what you've done, it's about what Jesus did. The Bible says you believe in Jesus, you give your heart to Jesus, and those sins are forgiven, and you are made righteous in Christ. And that's what's made available to you this morning. And we sure would love to help you and walk with you. And so after service, if that's you, I'd love to just talk with you for a moment and see however we could help direct you during that path through discipleship and those kind of things. Other than that, I just want to pray quick over those of you that that dream in your heart. Father, I thank you right now for every person in this room, for every dream in this room. Father, they're big dreams. If you gave them, they're big dreams. Dreams that are going to impact people's lives. I think about the people who's impacted my life because they chased their dream. I think about the dream that is victory and the lives that you have impacted and the lives you want to impact. The people that you've brought in together to do that. Don't let us get caught up in petty things, offenses, unforgiveness. Father, let us move forward passionate about the gospel, loving people, sharing the gospel, sharing the truth, loving people, sharing the truth, loving people over and over and over again until lives have been changed. Pray you would fertilize that dream in every person's heart and that it would begin to move and operate into action. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.